All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right, that's it's right. It's going to be us. We can drink and talk shit as much as we want. Nobody can say anything to us. D.L. Hughley, uncut. You know what it is. It is a D.L. Hughley uncut. <laughs> Dang. And I am Coming a, in hot. And I'm a D.L. Hughley. That's who I am. I'm Jasmine Sanders. And I am Jay Phillips. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to say this, uh, and we're going to move on fast because, you know, we got a lot of guests. But uh, Donald Trump has gone for the president of the United States to a wedding crasher. Yeah. Like, he talks about like, himself the whole time. You know, like, f- f- you're the fucking ex-president of the United States. You don't crash people wedding stuff. Talk- he looks like he Napoleon Dynamite's uncle. I used he to does. be great. Yeah, remember Fuck me? Out of here. But he does wait. You, I would not expect anything less than him. From yeah, that man, from him. not one thing. He makes you call Mr. President. No, nigga, you're you not. miss you're me ex. yet? That's yeah. what he said. No, we don't. You he opened up his yet? own his own website for him and Melania because he got kicked off of Twitter and everything right. else. So right. he, had, he said, "I'll run yeah. my own yeah, shit." shit. Then. Now, he's he's all I know is you're fucking up the the toast. The groom, the fucking up the toast. This orange dude, orange Fulius is fucking up the toast. I am. I'm glad about a lot of things. Um, I think that um, I, I've been watching the George Floyd trial, mm. and I and I said, uh, you know, on on our broadcast that in order for Derek Chauvin to be found guilty, then George Floyd has to be found innocent of mm. his own death. Because make no mistake, George Floyd is on trial for his own murder. Yes. So okay. whatever yeah. he was guilty of, he already paid the ultimate price. Yeah. Um, but I think that in order for him. Um, to for George Floyd, for him to have exact any justice, society at large had to see him as a viable life. And one of the things that is happening, virtually everybody that testifies cries. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's happening is the defense attorney is not so great. No. Like you got nine minutes and 26 seconds to show how horrible your duty is. Yeah. You have you have, uh, you know, uh, dispatchers calling and saying you have police doing it. you have, uh, you know, uh, emergency uh, uh, paramedics saying like it's it's and the sound bites that they're saying it is. I call the police on, on the, the police. police on the police. Yeah. And and what I think is happening here, not only did we watch. Are people watching a man die? They're watching an idea die, and that idea is that police are there to do good all the time, and that they're above reproach, and that they, 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 you know, they. I think watching, uh, imagine these people having nightmares because not only did they watch a man die, but they watched someone who was there to help. Like, imagine if you had just called so the police would would see if this this was 20 was okay and this is what happened. Right. Well, I also think it was very uh, compelling when you listen to the young girl who oh, actually man. did the video, oh, the viral video, oh, and she said, I apologize. I stayed up all night apologizing right. to George Floyd right. because when I saw him, I saw my father, my brother, my cousin, my uncle, and it was so compelling and you could tell she really meant it. I think putting her on the stand... I, th- I think it's... It- what, yeah. what I think has to happen is you don't have to be a supporter of Black Lives Matter to know his life matter. You don't have sure. to change your political ideology. But if you can watch that video and see anything but a murder, you're you're not part of the human condition. And I like watching it. And uh, I don't know which which one of these guys it was, but they it just seemed like they was hell bent on trying to make him say that he was angry. Yeah. And uh, it was like... Uh, oh, I'm, the I'm, MMA fighter. Yeah. yeah. Like, the only I, one who I, wasn't emotional was the dude who was doing all the killing. Absolutely. And you know who's not emotional? Sociopaths. Yes. Um, and the other thing that's uh, really... Dep- uh, in 26 states around the country, it is easier. It is You can vote on the same day. I mean, excuse me, you can buy a gun on the same day, but you can't vote. So what those states have said is the bullet is mightier than the ballot. Mm. My, 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 my voice comes with an extra magazine. Is what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's <laughs>
Welcome back to DL Uncut. Our first guest is a historian and documentary filmmaker. Please welcome Carrie Lee Merritt. Hello, Miss Merritt. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. You don't look like any documentarian or historian I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the face of that, right? I I did not expect this. I was ready to be bored. But now I'm kind of into it. It's great. Great. Very silly. So I was... uh, I was recently in in Jackson, Mississippi. I was performing there. And so, you know, we were, of course, there's a, I I remember I was staying at a brand new hotel there, the the only one in the Westin, and I gave my dog water. He travels with me. And he was sick the whole week. So I go find the vet, and they like, well, you know, you can't drink the water, and you can't take a bath in the water. Like, people who have cancer or other kind of kids can't drink the water. And I was talking to the uh, one of my frat brothers about it, a brother named Wes, and he was saying that this has gone on in Jackson since his father was there. So this is a a a, a long uh, a long term problem. It's, it's gone on for decades. It's gone on for decades, and as a historian, I actually see it as a problem that has gone on essentially since the end of slavery and the failures of reconstruction and the failures of any kind of reparations for African Americans in that state. And so what we see today is just an extenuation of that, you know, vast inequality in Mississippi and, you know, the parts of Jackson, the suburbs of Jackson, the white suburbs and the north of Jackson where white people live, well, those pipes have been fixed. But the black areas of Jackson, the poorer areas, um, those are the areas that it was just a couple of weeks ago. It was really the end of March. I was there at the beginning of March. Yeah, right. We were there right. Yeah. So it was it was almost six weeks for them, either without water and then without clean drink, drinking water. But this is systemic. This is you. You say that, that you could trace this back to uh, to reconstruct to to the end of slavery, right? Absolutely. I mean, all of these problems that we're seeing across the South today, all of their uh, the genesis of their problems are, are back in the mid 19th century. Well, you know, it's interesting because Mississippi's not a state like a Georgia or North North Carolina or Texas. Uh, I, I had to call state Southern when it got chilly. And, <laughs> and like, okay, I'll, I'll play along. Um, but but those states have a lot of people moving in and out. Mississippi's different. Like people might have come back to retire or stuff like that but their 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 population is pretty pretty static pretty sedentary and so there's and it's a large black population and there isn't an incentive i don't know why there's an incentive to tra- change because you know people are aware what happens but what do you think the drawback is do they believe it's just hopeless do they think that uh, this is the way things have to be or i, I just I, I don't understand why uh, over a hundred years have 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 yielded little to no change. So it, that's a great question, and I think that the answer is multifaceted. One, there's a long history of really, really bad violence in Mississippi against anybody who's sure. trying to organize, sure. anybody who's trying to sure. vote, anybody who's trying to change the system. So you know that's one thing. 
Um, but second of all, you know, the, the people that were in slaveholding families, the richest families back in the 1850s and 60s, those are essentially the families that are still in power today. Those are the families, wealth never changed hands, power never changed hands. And so you still have very concentrated wealth and even, you know, jobs and everything like that. It's right. a monopsony right. in these rural areas where you have one one employer to essentially work for. Um, so they control everything. Elite whites in that state control everything. And it's just been a matter of we've got to get people organized and get a real good grassroots it's, it's interesting because going on there. The South, the Southern region, like when people are, because I'm a liberal, and people always go, well, you know, what about these big cities? I'll explain Baltimore when you explain the entire Southern region of the United States of America, which is a Southern, which is a solid block of poverty and sickness. Uh, 50, I think 4% of black people live. So when everybody was like, look what, uh, look, look what, what has happened, look what, look what liberals do. I'm like, Generally, if you live in a more diverse state or a city, you're better educated, healthier, make more money. Um, but those those are en- these enclaves, uh, like uh, a, a lot of these huge swaths of the South, are just almost resi- like antibiotics. Like viruses can be resistant to antibiotics; they can be resistant to change. Absolutely, and you know, in the deep South, these states like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia you also have the problem of a large poor white population. Yeah. And yeah. so historically what elite whites have done um, in, in things like labor um, and, and any kind of economic banding together for political issues is they have whipped up as much racism and xenophobia yeah. as they could among poor whites whenever they needed you know, them to align And it's not with really them. that hard. Yeah. They like use them. Alabama has the longest constitution in use in the world. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. like 311,000 words, and all of them is to tell you you can't what you can't do. <laughs> like all of them is like we hate black people, right. and what you can't they, they, they can do the same thing in two words. No, <laughs> no, nigga. That, that, I find it so, so interesting that we're so progressive, like in, in many other areas, but for some reason, when it comes down to racism, when it comes down to um, you know just the systemic inequalities. It's not just the fight. It is getting people to even acknowledge that it still exists. Like, how do we get that? I think Stacey Abrams has actually done wonders in Georgia um, from this perspective. Like, she has gone out into the rural, you know, white areas in Georgia and really spoken to those people and told them what these kind of progressive and leftist and liberal policies would do to their lives, how it would actually change right, their right, lives right. in a positive way, not even really touching on, on race, but really telling, explaining to them, because a lot of them really don't know. I mean, there is a huge gap in this country, obviously, as, as we've seen, especially over the last four years. And what people know about history and what they know about politics right. and civics, and most people are just completely uneducated. But Georgia's very trans. Like a lot of people in Georgia aren't from there. Like I always say, right. oh, yeah, like true. I always say, Joe Biden didn't win it, uh, Georgia. He won Atlanta. <laughs> he won Atlanta. <laughs> right. And 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 Mississippi and Alabama. I remember reading um, that the UN said that Alabama is the poorest place in the entire uh developed world it's the poorest like state like it's it's the american malawi madonna's just go down there and start adopting kids i don't even know why that, that, does that. but but they seem to be satisfied you say that we need a new civil war documentary and have a like i saw what did i see gods and monsters or uh, you know, oh, gods and generals, gods and yeah. generals, like whatever. I stopped halfway through because I knew how it turned out. <laughs> I was like, God, like this is gonna be fucked up. Um, but why, why, why do you think that that would be helpful? A new, a new uh, civil war documentary. 
So the last major one was Ken Burns' Civil War documentary. Right. That's 30 years old. Right. So just that's mind-blowing in itself. But, you know, I went back and, and uh, watched the entire thing a couple of years ago and really realized how dated the history they use is. I mean, they essentially say that it's a, it's a war over states' rights. Right. You know, they don't put the central right. blame on slavery. Right. So that's, you know, right. red flag number one. Um, they do other things like, you know, don't don't talk about General Lee's slaveholding and, right. and you know, kind of honor, um, you know, some of the worst white supremacist, you know, Klan members like Nathaniel Bedford Forrest. Yes. So we desperately need a new documentary that not only looks at, you know, the white people who are fighting in the war, but looks at all of America during this time. And, and what my partner Raylan Barnes at Princeton and I want to do is really recenter the story um, to W.E.B. Du Bois's old um, theory that the enslaved freed themselves, right? They, this well, yeah, is the biggest yeah. labor strike in America that yeah. they freed themselves. You know what's interesting? Like, in order to get a statue in America, a monument in America, you have to be brutal. There are more statues to Robert E. Lee than there are to Jesus, literally. And the only, the only white dude who got a statue and that didn't brutalize black people was Rocky, and he beat the shit out of Apollo <laughs> Creed. So I, I just... <laughs> But we're tied to this, like you can't, and, and the schools that we go to are named after men right. who brutalize us. There was J. Marion Sims, who has a, 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 up until recently had a statue outside of Columbia, and he, so our our connection to racism, it's almost like this, um, American racism, it's like, like if say somebody gets an injury or a bullet wound, and the bullet, um, to take the bullet out is actually more detrimental to you, so you have to kind of learn to live with it. Try, trying to remove racism because it's so embedded in our every, just in every, like you'd have to change holidays and schools and, and, and textbooks. So it's so ingrained in us that removing it would kill the host. I, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of white people are starting to see that now. And I think um, white America has a long journey ahead. Um, and luckily, I think there is some hope with that younger generation, as we've seen this summer with uh, this past summer with the Black Lives Matter uh, protests, that there were that that younger generation of white people are getting involved and are joining the movement and are really seeing how racist this country is at every level systemically. Right. And, yes. and, they, well, we saw that in Georgia too, with the, yeah. the voter suppression laws that they are they are passing. You know, as they sit underneath, you know, a slave plantation, it's it's freaking despicable. But but it's so like even the idea of capitalism is rooted in slavery. The yeah. idea of I'm very interested in what happens with Amazon and Bessemer, Alabama, because um, um, Bessemer is a dope city if you on um, cops. <laughs> like, because I mean, <laughs> the first 48 could actually just shoot Bessemer. Just, but what happens if they're able to get a toehold, a union? Because because people, people. I mean, there was this unions change uh, significantly change. Um, poor and middle uh, class people. No, there virtually is no middle class now, but they change a lot of people's lives. And then they were told by people on the right that unions are bad. Um, the only unions they like are the police unions. <laughs> That's the only ones that they like. But they, I think a lot of people are of the opinion that if it's good for black people, fuck it. I don't want it. Even mm. though it don't lift me up. Because virtually everything good that happens for black people, America gets the benefit tenfold. Vir virtually. And so it, it 
if if a place like Bessemer, Alabama, and, and Amazon, if they're able to get a a toehold in the deep deep south like that, I really do think that that could change not only a lot. I think it it it. it People, more people move in, uh, it becomes more diverse, uh, economic opportunities come, and then you have potentially a political change. So I think it's not just about a way of life, it's about changing virtually everything about the structure, w- would you say? Absolutely. I, I think it will be incredibly inspirational if they win because, you know, this is something that the rest of the country hasn't been able to do, essentially. And I always argue that the South is the most progressive place in the United States because it is the poorest. <laughs> and and I, I mean, it's just that there is such a power hold of, of white elites who control everything in this region, um, from labor laws to the carceral state to policing. I mean, we, we see in Bessemer, the police are literally being hired by Amazon to go and harass the workers. Where's Norma um, Ray so when you all- need her? Where's Norma <laughs> Ray when you need her? <laughs> I, I think that in the end, people always say things, dumb things to me, like it's not about black and white, it's about economics. No, it's it's still about uh, a large swaths of this country who believe, like, even if you look at what happened in the last election cycle, um, those people, 60%, 62% of white people, by and large, voted for Donald Trump, and they literally feel like he won because more of them wanted an effect that, that, than, we, than the other side. And that we don't really count anyway, like we don't black like black people really don't count. Um, and I think that that's why you have these suppressive measures in place. But they always vacillate. They always. I, I'm of the opinion that corporate America, at least in Georgia, uh, I think that if those uh, places are headquartered there, they're part of the fight, whether they want to be or not. That they employers can't bought them. You know, employees came for the opportunities. They give a lot of money to people who think like that pol- politically, and they have uh, they they have a lot of sway. So if they say this can't happen, it won't. That's exactly what's happening right now. Is I think uh, the CEO of Delta just came out today and you know changed his complete tune about yes, what's going on in Georgia. So I mean, as we've seen in the civil rights movement in the '50s and '60s, you know, money talks. Absolutely, yep. use boycotts, use whatever means you need to use to put pressure on these companies um, to to not support these horribly racist policies. Yeah, you uh, you believe that there is a need for reparations, right? I do absolutely. And I think- you think it's, it's it's restorative justice from a restorative justice aspect, or just a, a justice in general aspect? Like, why do you think? Like, I know why I think there's a need for reparations, but why do you think there? Oh, I think there's many, many reasons from psychological repair for both blacks, whites, and indigenous people in the U.S., but uh, mainly to to repair our huge, huge uh, racial wealth gap in this country, yeah. which is totally yeah. unconscionable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think not only did there need to be cash payments um, like economists like Sandy Darity and Derek Hamilton talk about, but then we've got to look at problems like Jackson and all these infrastructural problems and problems with labor and jobs and and build that into reparations as well. But I wonder if we'll ever really get them. Like, I feel like I've heard reparations since I was a little girl. I've seen it in comedies. I've seen it in movies. I've seen people talk about it. But we, I feel like, is it, it, the question is, is it realistic? Will we get it? And what will it look like? And when will we get it? I unfortunately, I think to go back to what DL was talking about a little bit is that we do have to write off a certain percentage of white people as, you know, just racists that are never going to change. Right. Um, but there is a percentage of white people that we can bring over, you know, to the correct what side. Would you say that percentage is? What would you say that percentage is? 
I think it totally depends on age and to some extent mm. on gender. But, um, but, but all in, because and, and, and here, here's what's interesting. No matter what, um, 62% of people, white people, six out of 10 white people voted for Donald Trump, regardless of what happened. Eight out of, uh, almost nine out of 10 black people voted a different way. Spanish people, seven out of 10. Asians, seven out of 10. So we have a diametrically opposed view of the world. But when we see racism, you see, uh, the, the, uh, other people see uh, the price of doing business, uh, you know. So how can we get, because uh, th- th- that coalition needs to exp- be more expansive to include people. Um, b- b- like uh, Reverend Barber talks about poor people and how just raising the minimum wage would lift millions and millions of people, black, white, uh, Latin, out of poverty. But just getting them to understand that they are literally in the same boat that we are would have to kill their entire notion of being what it's like to be white in America. It's something that I think is going to take a lot of psychological work on, you know, on white. <laughs> Honestly, it, I, I, I'm telling you that I, I was born into a racist family and a racist culture, educated in public racist schools. Um, so I think it, it takes a lot to break out of that teaching and that mindset. And I mean, I, I've lost family members over it. And I think that's, you know, th- that's something that we really need to have a national conversation. But, but it's got to be difficult and, because I think w- there used to be a time when people b- respected the rule of law. Uh, they respected the Constitution. They had principles. And I think now we, we have there, there is a shortage of principled um, well-intended uh, white people. It really is. It's, it's, it's a shortage. Like the decent white folk are are pretty rare these days. And I think, and I'm talking about decent to the extent that you just don't just sit there and uh, you more apathetic than than active. But I think that the idea that people would say this is wrong and I am going to do what I uh, uh, do what I can to change it. There is uh, there's no there, there there's a, a drought of them. I, I completely agree with you, and I think that that's part of my personal mission right now is in doing something like a Civil War documentary or just doing public history in general is that we need to democratize knowledge and democratize the, the knowledge of our own history and really make white people understand not only you know what we've done that was horribly bad in this country, but um, you know, give them ways and ideas to help fix and repair what we've done. Um, I, I, really, I think yes. it's as simple as people yeah. have to understand that what's good for us is it's good that the infant mortality rate drops. It's it's it, it it takes the uh, the the pressure off the public dole. It's good that people are educated. It's good. So all the things. Uh, it's good that people have access, uh, like to the wealth making mechanisms of this country. It's good because it takes the onus off a lot of things. It takes the strain off off some of the uh, the, the public uh, structures. You are a historian. What is history telling us right now? Because uh, I, you, you have the benefit of knowing where we are, where, where we've been, and and seeing where we're going. So where where are we now? What, what kind of, what's the lay of the land? I think we are at a deeply momentous uh, time where there is a possibility for real and lasting change. And these are the kind of times that only come around maybe once or twice in a person's lifetime. And so... Um, like I said earlier, I think we are beginning to see the the start of a new civil rights movement, not only with the Black Lives Matter protests, but also with this this labor movement. I always point right. out that you right. know if you look at the end of the civil rights movement in 
1968, Martin Luther King dies leading a sanitation workers' right, strike. You know, right, it right. is a labor movement by that point. And so I think the people in Bessemer are couching it as you know a civil rights movement. That's exactly where we need to go with this. It's kind of picking up uh, that civil rights movement where it left off in the 60s. Isn't it funny? Uh, we started this experiment in Alabama and we're back there again. Isn't it funny? Like literally, we we we're, like there were so many from the Birmingham Birmingham uh, the buses and the girls who uh, were blown up, and now we're right back in there with the same kind of sentiments, tonality, and 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 it, it is it is the 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 epicenter of all that could be or we we would go for it or stay static. Yeah, I think it's hopeful. They, they are the hope. I think I, yeah. I think you're mm-hmm. you are also part of the hope because I think you know when I see people like you who you know you like you said you've lost family members and you could you could do what a lot of young white women and men in this country do every day and that is just get up and live their lives and not even try to s- discover the history of African Americans in this country and to try to do something about it. I think we are at a moment that it's so in your face. Obviously, going through uh, especially the George Floyd. Uh, trial for uh, Derek Chauvin's uh, murder trial right now. It is so in the face of white people that there is no excuse anymore to to say I didn't know or to yeah. say that I, you know I don't see this violence. So there has to be a reckoning right now. Well, we'll see. I, I tell you what, you're 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 easier to look at than Ken Burns' ass. I tell you that. So <laughs> thank you for joining thank us. You, uh, thank you, Miss uh, Mayor. We, we appreciate, appreciate it. it. Keep up the fight. Thank you. Hey there, welcome back to DL Uncut. It's time to find out what you need to know with the one and only Sybil Will. Sybil! Hello, hello. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, lovely you. Thank you. Um, I'm talking to you guys about spring cleaning today. Now we know, yeah. But it's spring cleaning with a twist. Now, as we are going about doing our due diligence with our homes, and as we are scrubbing the floorboards and them walls like grandma used to do, and we work up a sweat, we get into the shower, and we need to scrub ourselves and check ourselves. So I'm talking about spring cleaning of your body. Oh, okay. Mm, As you're standing there, you're checking some of those, yes, checking some of those aches and pains. You know, Jasmine, we're told to check our breasts every month while yes. we're in the shower and, and what have you. Gentlemen, there's some things you could check down yeah, there yeah, too. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay, okay. So Jiggle it. This is this is the uh, the prelude. As you're pulling out all those clothes and you're trying them on and you're tossing and what have you uh, for the spring and from last winter and, and, and that, also, this is a time to pull out the numbers of those doctors you have not seen in over a year. Wow. Because a lot of us have been in the house. We have not done our due diligence as far as getting all of our exams and everything done. And so this is a time to pull out the number for that primary care physician and get started, right? Wow. Wow. When you say spring cleaning, I start to call my housekeeper. I'm like, I don't need to hear this. But but this is. I was like, Marlene. This is for you. I don't need you to do it. I can say understand. People to check your body yourself. Well, you may. I don't know about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this also does not apply to us as, as people of a certain age. This is also for young people who may be lucky enough to still be on their parents' insurance. Absolutely. It's a good time. 
get in and get those exams, get those baseline exams done on your breasts and the other parts of your body, if you especially if you have a family history of this. And these are the baselines that they'll use for a number of years to right, come right, if you right, are going through right. this, right? And lastly, as we have pulled all this stuff out and we're calling organizations like our local church and the Salvation Army to come and pick up our donations, let us also, if you haven't already, reach out to Meemaw and Pawpaw. Right. You know why? Because they have that family history that you're going to have to share with your doctor. Right. If you don't mm. already know. Right. Right. Now, it's going to take a while. Now, Mima, you said so-and-so had, to, had right. the sugar. Right. You know that's diabetes, right? right? right. And, and, and all of this is going on as we are, you know, and, and you know, we might even have to have them say the C word. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. and that is a difficult conversation to have. Chitlins? This is all no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. No. Well, oh. some of our bodies are like that at this point, <laughs> right, yes. Right. right. <laughs> But we're talking about all these things in our lives. And so spring cleaning, out with the old, in with the new, with a new attitude about our lives around us and inside of us. Thank like you, Sybil Thank you, Sybil. Marlena, you can stand down Get now. to clean it. <laughs> <laughs>